Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Jana DeCristofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Dougie. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dear Dougie podcast, produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children in Portland, Oregon. I'm Jana DeCristofaro. After 30 years of listening to the stories of grieving children, teens, and adults in our grief support groups, we wanted to share what we've learned from them with the larger community. This podcast is a way to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. While we all experience loss during our lives, when it occurs, most of us don't know what to do, how to feel, or how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone who is, we're here to explore and talk about the topics that matter most to you. Today I'm joined by V, who's here to talk about what it's like when grief catches up with you. V was six when her father died of cancer, and she spent her childhood feeling pretty matter-of-fact about the grief, like bad things happen and then you just move on. And then, two decades later, when she turned 26, the grief hit her with an intensity she never before imagined. V, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. What do you remember about that time in your life when you turned 26? I remember uh, so many feelings, and I thought I was going to die because uh, my heart was pounding. I, I wasn't aware that I was having panic attacks, so I just thought, okay, I'm having a heart attack or I'm going to die. There's something wrong with me. And this just happened in your 26th year. I mean, uh, some things happened before. I left my full-time job. I was no longer involved in extracurricular activities, so I had my hands empty for the first time in my life. And I felt like all the feelings in the world came at me like an avalanche. So it was pretty overwhelming, and I did not know the reason. I just felt like I was at open sea. Did you know it was related to your grief, or were you just having these feelings you had no idea what was happening? I had no idea until I started going to therapy. First of all, I just want to say that I did not believe in therapy. I thought, well, I can just tell my friends and my family my problems without paying. I, I did not believe in it. So I was, when I went, I was like, I had no, nothing else to lose. Eventually, all the issues came back to my father's death, to this grief. And it was pretty much um, undeniable. Of course, I had other experiences in life that marked me, but that was very much the main one. Mm. So I repressed a lot of feelings. Um, all, I, I felt scared my whole life since my dad died and I repressed all the fear, sadness and also happiness too, but mostly, you know, like negative or feelings that are marked as negative. I just repressed them because I thought that made me weak and I just needed to go on and go on and go on. And that was your thought process even at six, yes. seven and eight. Yes. I, when, I, when my dad died, I, I was confused and very angry uh, because he went without saying goodbye. And I mean, I, I did understand that people were saying that he, he went to heaven and uh, he died and he passed away. And I did understand that that meant that he was, I wasn't going to be able to see him anymore, that his body was not going to be with us. But I, I just, he traveled a lot. So for some months, I just expected that he was on a long trip and he was going to come back home. And eventually I, I got it. It feels very ridiculous to say that at this age, knowing that I was a child. I have to be strong for my mom and my brother. I was six and my brother was 18 months when he passed away. So I just felt like I had to 
move on. And you fell into that role of being the yes. caregiver for your brother. And my mom and everyone else around me, um, instead of them comforting me, I was comforting them. Like, oh, it's okay. Do you think, V, that that was based on like who you were as a child? Were there other factors in your family and your community that mm. influenced that? Well, I don't know. I did not, if I think back, I didn't feel like a caregiver before my dad's death. I had a very happy childhood before that, before he got sick and things started changing. I cannot find a reason because no one told me, you have to be strong. You have to take care of your mom and brother. I just remember feeling responsible, not, I mean, I not responsible of the death of my father and the situation, but just like there, my brother was a baby and my mom was so heartbroken that I just repressed my own heartbrokenness I guess and my sadness and all those feeling scared and unprotected and abandoned and all those feelings too. So from this place now being maybe two years out from I think you described it as the avalanche of, of grief that hit you when you were 26 looking back at being six when your dad died is there something that you think you needed from family or from the other adults in your life? I think it would have been nice if people kept talking about him. If my family asked me, I, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure they asked me, like, are you okay? But they never dug into my feelings. It was like, even to this day, now that I came out to my mom with my grief and all these feelings that she did not know existed, the thing that she told me is that she wished she had known. And uh, she said that she pretty much she thinks she speaks for everyone in the family when she says that I looked fine. So strong mm. and just an overachiever and doing so good in school and at life and everything that she never... She never worried about she you. She never worried. Mm -hmm. and, she was, and she was my mom. So if my mom never worried, uh, I, no one else worried. So I wish they just kept digging... Um, and they kept talking about my dad. I mean, he comes up at family reunions and when, uh, around the time of his death, his anniversary and his birthday. Um, but I think at that time that it was so tragic. He was 31 years old when he died. So it was so, so tragic that everyone just uh, stopped talking about him because he was so sad mm. so I think almost it would like, have been great if almost like they were trying to protect yeah you like and your mom and your brother from having yeah to like talk about okay sad let's let's not talk about sad stuff but in reality when you lose someone like me thinking in hindsight uh when I was a child or right now it gives me joy I mean of course it's very sad but it's like a dwell feeling and mixed feeling um but it's good like there's talk. comfort in the sadness that comes up exactly. because you're getting to remember somebody you loved and exactly hear stories about them even though you i mean i cry and and i feel all these feelings and i feel like i'm six years old again um but it's so good so it's 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 like a good sadness i don't know how to put it mm -hmm. bitter like a bittersweet yeah. sadness yeah so if we go back in time to you're 26, you've had this year of being hit by the avalanche of grief. You're working with a therapist. What else enabled you or what other events in your life that year sort of connected you to the feelings in a new way? There was a year where the avalanche started and I was in the dark. There was no 
connection to anything. Um, eventually, uh, I was just full on depressed, you know, wanting to cry all the time and no motivation to shower or to eat or to do anything. One time I was with my boyfriend, now it's my husband, but at that time we were living together. And I, re I remember telling him, hey, whenever you see me very down, just remember me, the colors. He's like, what? Yeah, just that colors exist, like bright colors out there. Umbrellas, clothes, paintings, cars, I don't know, just like colors. Um, I've always been drawn to colors and to bright colors. And it just, they make me so happy inside. And I think he saw me very, very down and, you know, having these panic attacks. And he, he wanted to do something to help out. So he said, he said, okay, let's go to Michael's. And I'm like, Michael's? Yeah, I mean, it's a craft store. It's, I think it's nice, but like, really, let's just stay here. And he's like, no, let's go. So he, we went to Michael's and immediately after I started like seeing the paintbrushes and all the shades of blue and red and green and the colors and all these craft materials, I started feeling better and I started like cheering up and just laughing and making jokes. So I said, okay, I'm going to do something. And I saw these paper mache pigs. They're, they're like, I don't know, they fit in my hand. They're just little. They were so tiny and cute and they were a blank canvas. And I said, okay, I'm gonna do something with this. And I think I picked up like two or three and yeah, and just, I, I thought I was gonna experiment at home and I bought like a set of paint brushes and some uh, paints paint colors. We get home, I was so excited. I don't remember when was the last time I was this excited. And I start painting this pig. Something happened. Like something happened inside me. I don't know how to describe it. But with every brush stroke, I started feeling better. Like something happened inside me. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain it. But I started feeling better. So I did not stop. And this pig, this particular pig, the first one, I did very a lot of details. Like these thin lines. And I did not have the proper paint brushes. Now I know that. It was, it was really hard. This was your first sort of foray into yes. making art. Yes. Well, I mean, I've always been really crafty. And I was when I was a kid, I had uh, like this craft station that my mom built for me where I have construction paper and uh, scissors and paints and glue and pom-poms and glitter, like all these things. And I've always done stuff, but not in this way. It felt like painting this pig had a purpose, but I did not did know, know about it at was. the moment. Like nothing. I just was painting away. And for so long, I felt like, I was short of breath and I could not breathe and it was the first time that I felt calm after the avalanche of feelings. I felt so good. I finished this pig, I think, and I said, let's go back to Michael's and we bought... All the pigs. All the pigs. <laughs> and by all the pigs, I mean, they were just like maybe nine and I'm like, okay, no, I need more. I want like 500. I want a lot. So I contacted... Um, I did some research and they were not available anymore at Michael's stores. So I contacted the manufacturer and they just discontinued the pigs. I was heartbroken. Like it was like a, a meta, like a, like a grief inception. Like I was experiencing this grief for the first time, giving it shape and, and experiencing it. And then like, oh no, all the pigs are you gone. You wanted more. And you I wanted more. Yes. I went to Michael's in Washington, in Oregon and in California. And I think I just found like three more and that's it. I have 14 pigs in total. This was a serious pig mission. Three serious state. pig mission, yes. I kept on painting and every pig has a different meaning, a different color inspiration. And it's just something, it cracked open my grief. It was like your first time consciously engaging with the grief. Yes. And it was my also the first time that I was consciously doing something to 
feel better or connect with it. So um, to kind of work into it and through it at the same time. Yes, yes. I'm about to turn 29, so three years in the making of this um, art. And I've found relief in art, in paint, in blank canvases that I've not found anywhere else. Do you, do you have a sense, because I know you were born and raised in, in Mexico, was there anything about living there, growing up there, that you think informed how you grieved or didn't grieve? I don't want to generalize because everyone has a different experience. But in, in Mexico, there is a duality about death. It's either very tragic and sad and just something so, so big and so sad. I don't know, like something bad. And on the other side, well, there's uh, our Dia de Muertos celebration, Day of the Dead, where we, it's not like we glorify death, but it's, it's a good thing. And we're celebrating life. These people are gone our loved ones, but we're here to make this beautiful altar, to talk about them, to make their favorite dishes, put on their favorite music, and just remember their lives and celebrate them. So it's it's a duality. And it seems like from what you've said, you would have liked more of that throughout the year. Yes. That it happens just on these two days. And then what happens on the other 363 days? It's just something that you don't talk about. Or when you talk about it, it's really sad. And it depends on the family and if you're religious or not. But in general, in Mexico, there's, you know, you have the funeral, if there's one, if there is any service at all. And then that's it. No one talks about it after that. No. So my dad passed away in the summer between kindergarten and elementary school. And when I started elementary school, I knew I was so different from my other classmate. There was another classmate who lost his mom to cancer to um, an, an, uh, a near time when we were in first grade. But it's, I don't know, it's just really different. It's just two of you in the sea of kids who yeah. suddenly have not that happening. And no homes. one talked about it. I mean, some people, you know, now social media, it's, it's, we live in a very different world than 20 years ago. And now with social media, you can remember people... And you cannot say anything, just change your profile picture or upload a picture with your loved one that passed away and not say anything. And people know that you're grieving or that you're remembering this person. But back in the day, it's not like you were going to walk around with a picture of your loved one, like on the street, you know? Like if you like, came into first grade that first day and just had your dad's photo with exactly, you the whole Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we all knew. That's how I felt my whole life. Like people knew, but we never talked about it. And either when people... Uh, found out because we were talking or they asked hey how about your dad they would either feel sorry for me or very awkward and uncomfortable for being the ones that bring it up or finding out it's almost like a secret that everybody knows about yeah. but everyone's silent about yeah everyone knew that my dad passed away but I I never said oh I want to talk about it more or I just said yeah it ha bad things happen I was really young it's really sad but you know life goes on that was just like my defense mechanism, I believe, now that I see it, you know, in hindsight. But I would have loved to just talk about him more. Now, going through this grief so consciously, it's a whole new world for me because I feel like I'm six years old, but in real, like in real life, like every day I'm 26 and I'm married and I just want to talk about my dad all the time and make up for that time, those two decades where I didn't talk about it. I want to let people know that I'm sad and nostalgic but also happy that it happened there's like a lot of feelings and I feel like there's not enough time or words it's just the greatest feeling of the world to hear someone one mention my dad 
Two, mention his name. My dad's name was Manuel. And three, say things about him. They don't have to be nice things or, oh, you know, uh, when people die, sometimes we tend to glorify them or like, oh, I mean, he wasn't a saint. He wasn't perfect. He was human. But it's so nice to hear that people remember things, details. I remember when your dad said this to me, he gave me this advice or we were cracking up and he did this or we were really sad or he was upset, whatever, because that makes my whole experience valid and real. And you're just so hungry for that information. I'm so hungry You'll for take that. take it in any form. Exactly. What would you most want your dad to know about who you are as a result of this conscious engagement with your grief? I would like him to know that I am I'm good after everything that has passed and that I am learning, continuously learning to ride this wave of feelings, whatever they are. And I would like him to know that I remember him a lot. I remember a lot of details, a lot of mornings with him and road trips and just, I don't know, parties and moments with him. I remember things like the first time he uh, did a ponytail on me and it was just so awkward and funny and painful. <laughs> yeah, so I, w I would like him to know that I'm, that I celebrate his life every time I have. Thank you so much, V. It's been a huge honor in my time of knowing you to watch you really own your grief for yourself. Thank you for having me and for having this amazing outlet and this resource that I cannot put in words um, how, how amazing it is, how I feel as a grieving adult and as a grieving child, if that makes sense, that this exists. I feel understood and I feel, I feel good. After listening to you today, I'm just so hopeful that anyone who needs to you know, connect with their grief in a new way will find their own pig, whatever that looks yes, like Yes, please go and find your pig. <laughs> Whatever that is, if that's traveling, sailing, baking, caring for kids, I don't know, whatever it is, just go out and own your grief. and Maybe get a little messy. Yeah, get messy. Yeah. Grief, grief is real. We are not crazy. So let's do whatever we have to do. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this episode of the Dear Dougie podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us and listen to past episodes, you can check us out at dougy.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We'd love if you looked us up in iTunes where you can subscribe, give us a rating, and maybe even a review. If you have any ideas, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can send them our way at help at Dougie.org. Join us again next time. Thanks for listening.